Have you ever had anything happen in your life? Maybe it was an experience, or it could have been an encounter with a person, or maybe it's something you learned that altered your life or changed your life. I'm sure we all have had this to some degree. Uh, for example, Celia, uh, last year, and this year she's been taking a couple classes, and you know, when you take a class, every now and then you might even learn a little something, and so she was taking this class, a Human Lifespan Development, which it talks about from, you know, when you're born all the way up, how, how the body, how the, uh, you're, you develop socially, emotionally, and you know, whatnot as you grow older, grow older, and so as we're learning about this, you know, she's pointing out things, and it does change the way you view certain things, and how you uh, give certain emphasis to your children and whatnot as they develop, and things to take into account in different stages of life. And then she's taking anatomy now. And so, you know, you're learning all about the body. And so it's kind of freaking you out. And you're, you know, knowing, oh, man, I don't need to be doing this. I need to eat less salt here or exercise more. And so when you learn these things, it changes the way you do life in certain areas. And I remember, I remember even for myself, back maybe 15, 16 years ago, uh, before my grandmother passed away, she was dealing with cancer. And so cancer was real, real big, you know, on the front of my mind. And so I, I heard, I heard a uh, news uh, special on this. And they said, if you drink orange juice every morning, like a cup of orange juice, it decreases your chance of getting certain types of cancer. Well, at that point, I really hadn't, you know, drank much orange juice. But from that point on, I started drinking orange juice every morning, and I still do. You know, so there are certain things that kind of intersect your life that changes the way you do life in certain degrees. And for some of you, uh, you might can relate to that, gaining some knowledge, changing the way you do certain things in your life. But then we also have experiences. And these encounters could be uh, you know, tragic experiences or wonderful experiences, but whatever they may be, uh, when they intersected your life, it caused you to change the way you viewed life. In certain aspects of your life. And so you went about those parts of your life a little differently from then on. And we've all been there. We've all had different encounters that changed the way we do life. But there, there are also these changes. And the specific change I'm thinking about that happens at the deepest of levels. And it happens at such a deep level that it not only changes how you view your diet or a relationship, but it actually impacts how you view the entirety of life. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to look at a man named Saul, and we saw a little bit about him last week, but we're going to see this experience, this encounter he had that, that impacted him at the deepest of, of levels. Because, you know, it's one thing to have your diet changed by some knowledge you gain about nutrition. But it's another thing to have your whole world turned upside down because of what you come to know about who God is. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. You know, he, was, he thought he knew who God was. He thought he knew what God was doing. And then Jesus reveals himself to him. And it totally turns his world upside down. And it alters his life from that day onward. Everything about his life was all of a sudden changed. And I'm sure some of you may have had your life intersected in a, in a similar way. Maybe you didn't have the blinding light from heaven come down and blind you for three days before you come to a full knowledge of who Jesus is. But your life has been intersected by 
Jesus and who He is and what He means to you and how you can come to know God through Him. And as a result, your life has been altered as well and changed. Or, you know, you might be here tonight and you may not have a relationship with Jesus, but maybe you're heading toward the intersection, you know, and just kind of seeing what's going to happen when your life does intersect the person of Christ. And so tonight we're going to look at this passage in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to see what happens to someone whose life is changed at the deepest of levels because of who Jesus is. In other words, we're going to see what happens to someone when they become a Christian. And I believe what we're going to see is actually going to be true for everyone that becomes a Christian, not just the Apostle Paul. And there are at least two changes that that are going to take place in his life and in our lives as well, if we embrace Jesus. One is that the message of our life, the message of our lives is basically going to be summed up by Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. This is going to be the message of your life. And the second fruit of conversion that we're going to see is that we're going to have this desire to link arms and be a part of the lives of other Christians as we seek God together and and seek to to spread the good news about Jesus Christ throughout the world. So look at, look at uh, verses 19 and 20 with me in chapter 9 of Acts. And this is what it says. I guess it would help if I was in Acts and not Nehemiah. That would be a <laughs> chance. Uh, it says, uh, for, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And so after Saul has this encounter with Christ, he embraces Jesus for who he is. He submits his life to this truth about Christ. It dramatically changes him and it says immediately he goes and he proclaims Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the Son of God. And so this inward change actually finds its way outward as Paul, then Saul, spreads the news about Christ to those he knows in the synagogues. And there's a lot wrapped up in this message, you know, this message of Saul. He says, Jesus is the Son of God. And as we know from Saul and the rest of his writings throughout the New Testament, Basically, he's communicating that Jesus is God. Jesus is a man, fully man. And yet Jesus also is the Messiah. He's the one that God is is reconciling all men to himself through this one man, Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between God and man. So, So Saul is going to these synagogues and he's reasoning with those who are following Judaism. He's saying, the one that we've been waiting for that can actually reconcile man to God is here. His name is Jesus. He is the Son of God. And that is His message. And when we place our faith in Christ, there's this growing desire within us that we want to know Christ more and make Him known. That's just what happens. I mean, that's what happens to Christians. When you intersect the gospel of Jesus Christ and you embrace Him, what happens is a desire is birthed to know Christ more, and to make Him known to others. And that's what we see happening in Saul's life. So if you confess 
Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you look within your own life, can you say that, yes, there has been a change? Can you say, yes, there has been this desire? Sometimes it's stronger than others, but it's there. At least I want it to be there, which is a sign that Christ is there. Or have you, have you experienced this shift in your life of wanting to know Christ more and make Him known? You know, has that happened? And I think about my own life, I think about you all in our church. What, what is the message of our life? What are we communicating? The message of Saul's life is that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, this is the message of his life. You follow him from this point on, this is the message. Jesus is the Son of God. I want you to notice, though, where he goes after he comes to know Jesus. He, where does he go to proclaim Christ? Look at verses 19 through 22. It says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. I want you to notice where he goes. He goes to the synagogue. Now just think about this. Saul was on his way to Damascus with letters from the high priest that enabled him to have access to all the synagogues in order that he could surface the, the, the Jews who had become Christians and put them in jail. And so now what does he do? Well, he, he might be asking himself, you know, where am I uh, mostly you know, well-known around here and in what places do I have access? And I'm assuming the synagogues come to mind. Well, I have all these letters that give me entrance to the synagogue. Maybe I'll just go there. And obviously, him coming out of Judaism, he's very familiar with Judaism. And so he goes to the synagogue. He goes where he is most well-known and he's most familiar is where he goes. And that's where he proclaims Jesus Christ. Now, my children have all gone through preschool. Lily's the last one. She starts kindergarten next year. But one of the things, one of the, the activities that they've all been involved in in school, and you have been too, I'm sure, is show and tell. They're getting excited. <laughs> show and tell. And basically what it is, it's you take something from home that you like or that you've made or it communicates something about yourself and you take it to class and you share it with everybody. Show and tell. And that's pretty much what's happening here with Saul. He's going to places, kind of his classroom, so to speak, his place of work. You can think of it as your family, your, your sphere of influence. That's where he's going, and he's showing and he's telling what had happened to him. He's proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. Now, there are places all throughout this city that God has placed you in and has placed me in in order to make Christ known. For each of us, He's got a place that we're planted. It's our work, 
it's our neighborhood, it's our family. We all have these spheres of influence that God has placed us there, not only to do a good job in our work, treat people well, but also to make, make Christ known. And also, you know, God has providentially allowed this building to be built on Kingsway and Millage, and He's allowing Christians to gather here, I think for a purpose of making Himself known to this neighborhood, to this city. And that, I think, is the motivation of Saul. He has been changed by Christ, and he desires to live for Christ, and this message of Jesus being the Son of God is the banner under which he lives his life. And so I want you to think about, you know, where, where does God have you? you know, where does God have you where he wants to have you put him on display? He wants you to show and tell who Christ is and what he's done for you. Now, one thing I've noticed is that it's a whole lot easier to dismiss a stranger than it is to dismiss someone you know well. And so, can you just, just picture Saul walking into the synagogue, perhaps giving them the papers, maybe not, depending on the time frame that it took him to get back to Damascus. But clearly he was known in the place because it surfaced questions. I want you to see some of these questions here. Verse 21. It says, And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon, him, upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? So they see Saul coming in and they, they hear him talking about Jesus being the Messiah, the one who reconciles God to man. And he, they're saying, okay, hold on a second. Is not this the man who... And you read the rest. In other words, something's happened here. Why is he, why is he talking like that? What is, he, what is he doing this for? This isn't who I remember him to be. And I wonder, you know, in our own lives, you know, I remember going to our uh, high school reunion. Let's see. I guess it was the 10-year reunion, wasn't it? 10-year high school reunion. And I just was anticipating, wondering, just what, I wonder what my high school friends are going to say when they find out that I, Ron Jones, am in full-time ministry. I'm a Christian and I'm actually doing that, like, for a job. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that you could, you could just hear the questions going off in their mind if they didn't say it. Aren't you the, aren't you the guy who, you know, fill in the blank. And I think about you all as well. Has, it, has there been a shift in your life where maybe those around you, maybe you came to know Christ at a young age and so... Maybe there was no dramatic behavioral change, but for some of you there was. But there should be, at some point in your life, you should be able to say, there has been a change that takes place, and people, if they knew your heart, they would ask you that same question. Are you not the, the man or the woman who used to live life for this reason, or cared about this, or prioritized that? 
or believe that. See, there's been a change. And there's been a change in Saul's life. And I hope there's been a change in yours as well if you've trusted in Christ. I know for me, when I placed my faith in Christ, I came to, came to know Christ in 11th grade. And think, I, I had some behavioral change for sure. But also over this period of years, my values, have, what I value has changed. Uh, what I believe about relationships have changed. What I, uh, how I see people has changed. How I view money has changed. How I view success has changed. And most importantly, how I view God has changed. Right? Because Jesus says, He is making the Father known. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And so as I get to know Him more, I get to know God more. So that has changed for me. I want to read you uh, the story of a, conver- of a conversion of a man, a 4th century brilliant man, his name's Augustine. And Augustine, uh, if you read about this man, he was involved with all sorts of different philosophies and religions. He was, uh, as he says, he was in love with being in love. He loved pleasure, uh, he loved uh, education and wisdom, and he was seeking after, he would even tell you, I just love loving, you know, he was just a passionate man. And one day he was listening to a preacher named Ambrose, and that really set something off in him. And after a number of other conversations and experiences, he was sitting there one day, at this moment of crisis in his life, crisis of belief, you know, he was wrestling with who Jesus is, and he overheard a little girl swinging in a neighboring yard. And she was saying, take up and read, take up and read, take up and read. And he records in his confessions, he says, he tried to think of a game that maybe this child was repeating this, this phrase, referring to some child game, and he couldn't think of it. But she just kept saying, take up and read, take up and read, take up and read. And so this is what he says he did next. He said, so quickly I returned to the bench where I was sitting. For there I had put down the apostles' book. He's talking about the book of Romans. When I had left there. I snatched it up, opened it, and in silence read the paragraph on which my eyes first fell. This is what he read. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to. For instantly, as the sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty and all the gloom of doubt vanished away. Now for you, you may say, well, Ronnie, when I came to Christ, or maybe even if you're on that journey of figuring out who Jesus is, I've never had a light from heaven come and blind me for three days. I've never overheard some child repeat some phrase over and over that's gotten me to read the Bible either. However, if you are a Christian, each of us has a unique story about how God revealed Jesus to us. So each of us has a unique story of how God intersected our lives with the same Christ. And the point here is, if you've placed your faith in Christ, 
has your life taken on this different flavor? And if you haven't trusted in Christ, know this. When you do, you may not have bright lights or some warm sensation in your heart, but you can know this according to the scripture. That if you place your faith in Christ, your sins are forgiven. You become a child of God, and for the rest of your life, you become more and more fascinated with the person of Christ and in making Him known. That's what happens. That's what Christianity is. And so the first fruit of conversion is that Jesus becomes the message of our lives. And the second fruit of conversion that we see here is that there's there's this desire to link arms with other Christians. You know, there's this desire to be a part of community. There's, there's this desire to be a part of the church. And you see that in verses 26 through 30. It says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, you know, those who follow Christ, the church. And they were all afraid of him, and for good reason. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them, How on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, on the one hand, as a church, we cannot be naive. I mean, we can't just, you know, if anybody says they're a Christian, I mean, you know, you want to you believe them to some degree, but you want to be careful as well. We don't want to be naive. You know, the whole, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing deal, the, the Trojan horse idea. You know, we know there are people who profess Christ who are not Christian. And you've got to think that the church in Jerusalem, when they heard that Saul had come to know Christ, and he was coming and wanted to be a part of our community, you know, there's got to be a little hesitation. I mean, this guy used to kill Christians. He was going to Damascus for the sole purpose of arresting Christians. I mean, that's what he was doing. And so surely when he says, I'm a Christian, there's probably a, oh, really, in there? You know, how do we know that? Because, you know, he could be faking it. He could say, well, I'm a Christian and get into the church, find out who is a Christian within the community, and then have them all arrested. You know, this could be some you know, elaborate little un- undercover investigation. And so they were hesitant. But Barnabas comes alongside him. Which means son of encouragement. You know, Comes along Saul. And he represents him to the church. And he says, let me, let me tell you how I know this man has come to know Jesus. And he gives him two reasons. The first one is found in verse 27. It says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them on the road that he had seen the Lord who spoke to him. So Barnabas shared with the church, this man has encountered Christ. He has encountered the true Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then secondly, he told him about his changed life. In the last part of that verse, verse 27, it says, And how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And then Luke then writes that Saul, verse 28, went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. 
And so we see the church embracing Saul. But what we see here for me and you, I think, as well, is that in order to live out our faith, in order to live out this work and this life and this mission that God has implanted in us through Jesus Christ, through faith in Him, we, we cannot do this alone. That we, we must seek out ways to link arms with one another, with other Christians, to live out this life of faith together. And that's exactly what Saul did. When Saul became a Christian, God just surrounded him with His people. You notice that Ananias came in. Barnabas comes in. He's grafted into the body there, the community in Jerusalem. And we're no different. We are not meant to be alone. We need to link arms with one another. We need to be a part of the church. And when we are, we are positioned in to not only individually walk with the Lord, but also corporately seek the Lord together for the good of this city in which we are implanted. And so my encouragement to you all is that when you come to know Christ, one, the message of our lives needs to be Jesus is the Son of God. And that's our message. That's, that's, that's the banner we live under, right there. And then two, we do not run with that banner alone. But we need to be linked with community, linked with other believers as we walk this walk of faith. And I think as we do that, I think there could be great things in store for this church and this city. And if we try to do it alone, I'm not saying God will not work, but I think as we follow His direction from the Scripture and link arms, there's great things in store. There's great strength, there's great power, there's great um, evidence, so to speak as we proclaim Christ to the city here in Augusta. And then lastly, in verse 31, and Luke brings the first nine chapters of the book of Acts to a close with this summary statement. You know, I pray, I pray that this will be able, we'll be able to say this about this church uh, in the near future. Listen to verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And that's, that's what we want to see. We want to see God's church multiply as we walk with Him and make Him known together. So let's go ahead and stand, and let's sing to the only one who can bring peace and comfort through the Holy Spirit, and that is Jesus Christ.